Hey, welcome to the Coach Bono's podcast from the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recorded live at the undisclosed location of the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. Check out all things the O'Connor Advisory Group at OAGKS.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter and Instagram at Coach Bono's Show. Check out our Facebook page, uh, Coach Bono's. Just search for Coach Bono's Show. You'll find it. You can also email us at CoachBonosShow at gmail.com. Uh, this is episode 23.5. So the 0.5 means we get everyone's favorite co-host, the wonderful, the beautiful, <laughs> the official legal counsel of the Coach Bonos podcast. Hey, hey let's let's reel that back in. House. Official legal advisor, maybe. Legal, yeah, we'll call you advisor. Okay, we will not call okay. you the full-on counsel. Thank you. You, you know, I guess you're the you're not the general counsel for Coach Bo podcast yet. We'll, we'll figure out. No, scenarios. but let me know when you want uh, to hire me as GC, and uh, we'll talk terms. Okay. All right. I, I, it's going to come down to you or Paul Heyman. I'm not sure which one yet. We'll figure this out. I have a better ponytail than he does, so. Yeah, you're much better looking in the yeah. Uh, the wardrobe doesn't cost as much money either. I can, I can get you trunk club. I got to buy him suits. So. Hey, I'm still waiting on the trunk club. By the We're way. going to talk after we record. We will talk about okay. it. So. Okay. I hear you. Thank you. <laughs> I was thinking about that last night, driving back from the Elton John concert. So, hey, I got to go out last night. I got to go to the Elton John concert in Kansas City. We got home before the great? snow. It was. It was pretty fantastic. It, it was for a 74-year-old guy who's having some trouble walking. He can still play the piano and he can still sing. And I'm glad you pretty, had a great time. It was pretty cool. We had a great date night out of it. So baby, when you hear this, she's in Florida now. She had to leave Florida tonight. She hears this later in the week. I had a great time. Love you. Thank you. So um, I would time. just like to note that I've gone on two dates since our last podcast with oh. the same person. So that's very exciting. We got to hear about this. Oh, come on. Bring it. So what's no, this he's Does he know you're a person. Does he know you're doing a podcast? No, I, I shared the podcast with him yesterday when we went to lunch. Um, he says he'll listen to it. I told him I was recording tonight. He doesn't know that he'll be mentioned, but, uh, it might give me an opportunity to learn the game of cricket. Ooh, Ooh. I I have always been slightly curious. There's a couple sports. We, We talked a few weeks ago about, uh, rugby. And how yeah. I watched a couple of rugby games, and I've watched a couple more since we last chatted. Um, but cricket has always been something that's interested me because the bat is different, the club, or how do they call it, and then the game, how they run back and forth. It, it yes, it. Uh, I want to learn there, more. About it. There is evidently enough of a expat scenario here in the Denver area that there is a kind of club team thing going on, and very cool. Maybe I'll learn about cricket. So I, we'll see. You know, you'll be teaching us a cricket. We'll do a cricket segment sometime. <laughs> that would be let's, fun. Let's take take your time and enjoy. Let's just, Thank you. Thank you. Let's you. not go too far. So, um, hey, um, a lot has happened since we last chatted. Yeah. So we're going to mainly focus on the world of football today. Uh, we yep. do have one baseball story we'll talk in a little bit. But, uh, wow, a lot has happened in seven days. <laughs> Um, I mean, we have our Super Bowl teams. We have a major retirement announcement. We have a gigantic lawsuit. So where do you kind of want to go? I want to start with Joe Burrow's uh, chain. 
Yeah. All real diamonds. That, that dude's got swag just dripping out his ears, doesn't he? Hey, man, to his point, he makes too much money. To wear the fake stuff. To wear the fake I stuff. So did. good for him. That game sucked. I have no idea what in the fuck happened in the second half. It was awful coming on the heels of a horrible beatdown by Kentucky um, for Kansas KU basketball. So it was a rough weekend to be a Kansas. It was it it really was a rough weekend sports wise. But hey, good for Joe Burrow. The point that you made and have continued to make over the last several weeks of this young class of quarterbacks really energizing the league and especially in the AFC creating a very competitive atmosphere is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all so good. I, I just recorded a segment with Tyler Jones, the Jones report, which reminds me to tempt this uh, thing out here for him. Um, Hey, if you haven't listened here on the studio soapbox network, check out Tyler Jones, the Jones report. He and Tom Bridges do a great job. They're a lot of fun. Tom is hysterical. He's, we're going to have him on here soon. Uh, we've been trying to work this out for a couple of weeks now. We'll be doing a segment with us occasionally. And then I do a segment where we talk football every week. And uh, we get a little bit into the quarterbacks thing uh, each of the last two weeks because Tyler and I kind of differed in opinions. He was like, Mahomes is a class by himself. And I'm like, no, he's not. There's four or five of them. And, and they're all different, which is kind of really cool. Right. Is that none of them have the same skill set. So um, but I'm interested to see what's going to happen. But let's first talk. I mean, you know the Super Bowl matchup. We've got Rams versus Bengals. We are not going to preview the game today. I already said we're going to wait till next week. I'll do a little bit of a preview Monday. We'll both come on, talk at length next week about the game. So yep. we'll do a little more about that. We'll talk about commercials and all that good stuff. We'll goof around. <laughs> um, hey, at least Mahomes has got two weeks to try to film some more commercials. Will he though? That's my question. He probably already got a couple filmed, him and Rogers both. And then, you know, I, oh, that's fair with the state farm stuff. Yeah, what yeah. they have in the can. Um, I wonder if there's going to be any kind of hesitation to run the Rogers stuff as compared to the home Mahomes stuff. I don't know, but you know what? I was looking up last weekend. And this is kind of just a quick sidebar, mm-hmm. except for right after. Rogers signed his deal the, the the immediate season after he signed his deal with State Farm. Do you know that no athlete has done State Farm commercials when has won their championship? Huh. There is a State Farm curse. Rogers, Mahomes. Mahomes signed his State Farm deal after he won the Super Bowl. Interesting. Rogers signed his in August and then won the Super Bowl that year. Mm-hmm. but then hasn't won since. Mahomes signed his State Farm deal after he won the Super Bowl, and mm-hmm. Chris Paul has not won an NBA championship. And Although he the Suns definitely And he got to the changed. finals this past year. Yeah. Yeah, so in other words, stay away from State Farm. And we all thought it was the Madden cover jinx. Yeah. Well, the Madden curse is more about like having a bad season or an injury, that kind of thing. But yeah, there's a state farm. I, and then the Manning cast supposedly has a, a curse. I, I, I don't think we can state that definitively after one season. We'll see if they do next year. Well, the Manning cast is supposed to be you lose that week if you're on. 
Interesting. Okay. So, yeah. Because, I mean, you know, it just is what it is. But anyway, let's get into this. So, uh, first off, the biggest sports news of the week, at least theoretically, mm-hmm. <laughs> until we get into this thing later, is uh, Tom Brady retired. This has been a this has been a bit of a shit show. <laughs> it's been a clusterfuck, let's be honest. So we heard the news Saturday morning. I woke up Saturday morning. I got it, I got it the text from the, the alert on my phone. Tom Brady's retired. Mm-hmm. Here's exactly what I thought. I saw the alert. The alert said from ESPN.com or ESPN app, and it said, Adam, according to Adam Schefter, Tom Brady will retire. I immediately put the phone back down, rolled over, went back to sleep, and said, I'll believe it when I hear it from Tom Brady. So this is what, Adam Schefter. and this was something that I pinged on from the Mon- Monday podcast. What is your hesitation around Schefter? Uh, the, the, the Roger story he basically made up on draft day. He made um, that up. He admitted okay. he made it up. Okay. It, uh, it goes back to the, so on draft day, he breaks the story that Aaron Rodgers has asked for a trade. Mm-hmm. which is totally not true. Aaron Rodgers did not ask for a trade. He certainly didn't on draft day. Um, a couple of weeks later on the Dan Patrick show, Adam Schefter says, hey, I ran with the story because I had information from this person and this person, this person about Rodgers being unhappy. Mm-hmm. He never asked for a trade. He never confirmed the story. He just ran with it and hijacked the draft. And I had a major problem with that because it's the draft day. This is the day for these young players who are going into the league. And this asshole hijacked it for a story he made up. Yeah. And okay. Sure it is, and this has been, I mean, had Tom Brady not been retired, and obviously it was he did, but had he not retired, the two stories that Adam Schefter broke in a 12-month period, the biggest two, would have both been dead wrong. There has to be consequences for your job is to break stories and you're wrong. All right. I appreciate that context because that's not where I was coming from at all. And it was just kind of interesting to hear you put it on ice just from who the initial source was. But given the scenario, I also found it interesting that any number of high quality news outlets continued to push it because they heard Adam Schefter in ESPN. But it was more fascinating to me, I guess, that those other outlets, except ESPN, kind of put everything on hold once Brady was, you know, word started coming out from Tom Sr. or whomever that, oh, no definitive answer has been made. They, you know, he called the, the GM and he said he hasn't made decision. Um, but ESPN never stopped pushing it, which to me was kind of interesting it's to the, see that dichotomy the between it's them the lie. If you keep pushing the lie, it'll be true. Now, in this trace, it was true that Brady was going to retire and they liked their source in Schefter being their guy, but they did the same thing on draft day. That's yeah. what really the draft one really bothered. That was the one because I remember there were times where we would see like the draft shuts down for a minute when you hear, okay, here's the pick. And, oh my God, is this going to be a trade? 
or, hey, here this trades happened. Is this going to be Aaron Rodgers? No, it was because it wasn't a story. It was made up. Yeah. And I, and I think that that carries over. And you're right. And I think it has more to do with what we do with, well, yeah, well, I'm not the press, but the press overall now, they don't confirm these things anymore. There's no, there's no source. It's just, you've got to be first and you got to run out there and say it and then hope that you're right in a way. And this is whether it's sports, whether it's politics, we see so much of this. And I just think it's more important to be right than first. I would agree with that. And so there are certain media resources that I kind of defer to for some of this stuff because they won't run with the story until they've sourced it. Mm -hmm. But even some of the sources that I kind of depend on for that were running this. And that was a little bit surprising and also kind of just said okay this is going to happen but tom didn't really like how it happened because it wasn't on his terms and his ego was hurt and uh you know it makes me actually wonder if there was some discussion with the nfl front office as to when he was going to announce it yeah for distraction purposes yeah i i think he's known for a while I think he knew. I think he knew midseason was just going to be it. I think that's fair. I think he. I. I looked at it this way. I said, you know what? He. He. He did what he wanted to accomplish last season. He went to Tampa and won a championship. Mm-hmm. It would have been really easy for him to retire, but you know the urge. You go to the parade. They got the parade and the boats. They're all having a good time. He Man, got you drunk wanna, on a boat. You want to run that back? Sure. Hey, let's go run it back. We can do this. And they all stayed together. But then they were dealing with all those injuries all season long. And he played fantastic. He, he really did. carried that team when they when they needed him to. And they did all this. And then the season ends. And they knew they weren't that good a team in the playoffs. They knew they were going to. I think they knew they were going to get beat. I mean, even if they got to the Super Bowl, I just, I mean, I mean, maybe he's Brady. He pulls it off. But they weren't the best team in the NFC, not by a long shot. No. And, and, and they got where they got to, and, you know, the Rams knocked them off. And he went out and he went out with his sword. I mean, he went out on his shield with his sword in his hand. And, and you cannot criticize how he played this season, how he went out in his last game, doing everything he could to get back in that game when they were getting blown out. Man, I just – I think that – I think it's just time. You know, I made the joke on the Jones report. I said, look, I'm 46, and it's hard to get out of bed some days. Granted, I'm no mm-hmm. athlete like Tom Brady. He'll be 45 yeah. in training camp. I, no one 45 should be in training camp. No, no. And, and um, God bless him for doing it at 44. Even with some hyperbolic chamber, whatever yeah. he's using yeah. to. So my hat's off to the guy. I, you know, I've. Of all these great quarterbacks, and I, I'm the guy also refuses to call him the GOAT. I don't do that. It's just my personal thing. I don't call anyone the greatest because I don't. I think it's more of an idea of a handful of people than it is one. And I'm willing to say there are other people who are just as great. I mean, Peyton Manning yeah. was every bit as good a player as, as, as Tom Brady. Joe Montana, Dan Marino, John Elway. Those are my five. 
And I say, hey, look, any of those five, I'll take any of the five. And here's the thing about the goat is that you can't declare a goat until that thing no longer exists. Yeah, I agree. And then the other piece of it, what I did say, though, is I think that Brady's had the greatest career. Oh, it's been amazing. I mean, probably probably one of the... He's never been an embarrassment. He's never had even even one season where he was an embarrassment. Right. No, he had different phases to his career. Yeah. One of the the most endearing things about the send-offs that he received after his official announcement were from the teams that he lost to in the Super Bowl. (laughs) Yeah. Thank Um, you. Yeah. You know, that was that was fun. And it's rare to frankly to say unlike someone like phil sims who lost four in a row right that was jim kelly lost four in a row. jim kelly thank jim you kelly. i don't know why i was thinking phil sims because we all saw him on the nfl sunday and yeah we were all kind of that applebee's song played in the background drumming drowning him out which is annoying but it also saved us from phil sims i I do not understand what happened in communications with NFL comms, yeah. the networks and the teams mm-hmm. to screw two halftime situations up as bad as they did, but they did. Yeah. Well, the Applebee's song saved us from Phil Sims and the Brady thing. I mean, great, you know, just a fantastic career. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess I think he had the greatest career of all. I mean, he had the career he began, you know, he was the young guy who was told, don't go out there and lose the game. Yeah. Play within yourself. And he got better every year. And then it was, we're going to get Randy Moss and we're going to air this bitch out. And his numbers started getting better and they were still winning. And then that kind of had some issues. And then it was okay. Tom is going to be different. Get the ball out of your hands. We're going to protect you. But Use everybody, and then go to go to to Tampa, mm-hmm. and you put an all star team together, basically. And and I, I think it's fair that the, I don't I won't criticize them for you know basically having an all star team because that's I mean the Rams are an all star team, you right? Know, there's a couple of them. I mean, you could argue the Chiefs are in some ways, um, but I just think it's he's shown that he can be different things, and there's not a lot of those those top five quarterbacks. Really, the only one that changed who they were in their career was John Elway. I mean, he, he went from being the gunslinger to being the guy who handed the ball to Terrell Davis at the end of his career. That's right. what he won. He did what he had to do to win. I, so I kind of see that with Brady, but it was the opposite way. Yeah, I would just say with Brady, I think he's probably the last of the legacy quarterbacks yeah. who – really came up and had time to be behind other quarterbacks to learn the system who weren't thrust in to not having a choice. Yeah. You had a great point. Mahomes had the one season he set out, Mm -hmm. but you're right in that, that generation, he was the last one of those because now because of the salary cap and with all you have to do, you, if you're the top quarterback, you gotta play. Yeah, I mean, and it didn't get any easier for anybody else coming forward after what Burrow just did. No, no, and he made, he made you it know, harder. You for look everybody. at, yeah, you look at Burrow's 
and Mahomes and Allen, and even just a couple of years past um, Burroughs, it's going to be a struggle and it's going to suck because these guys are going to have to be so good. Kenny Pickett is, I think he's the top quarterback in this draft. Kenny Pickett's going to, whoever drafts him, he's going to have to start from day one. He may not be ready. No, Mac Jones is Mac Jones is out there now, and he he would benefit from sitting out this year. They aren't ready. They can't, but they but they got a play. They now. don't understand the speed of the game. They can't understand the entire playbook. I mean, you even look at someone like Tua, who's been in the system for three, four years now, three, yeah, but has never had a good veteran quarterback to kind of follow behind. That mentorship and just watching and yeah. learning and seeing their progressions and everything else is super important. Yeah. Well, I think the one thing that Brady, you know, being um, a sixth round pick benefited from was that there was no expectations on him. Exactly. You know, and just that doesn't happen now. No. All quarterbacks have expectations. So, yeah. So, um, anything you want to add on the Tom Brady thing? Um, Good luck and good riddance. <laughs> I what do you think is gonna what do you think Tom Brady is gonna be in 10 years? Uh insanely rich, um obnoxiously good looking, and uh popping in in places that don't necessarily make sense, frankly. Yeah. I, I think he's gonna end up being an owner at some point. I think it's their arms race between him and Peyton to see who gets there first. I would have make- to think that Peyton would get there quicker, especially given something that we will talk about shortly. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I don't know. But I think he ends up owning. I don't think he works. We talked about the media stuff last night. I don't think he spends a day in the media. I think what he's no. doing now on ESPN.com is most he's going to do. Um, he's going to be insanely, insanely billionaire rich. He's going to yes. build TV 12 into the Jordan brand. And if he can, I don't think it'll reach that. I think there's going to be issues that encompass that because I'm, I'm concerned that there will be outsized expectations within that brand. Maybe. Or those that are sponsoring or representing the brand. Yeah. Well, I also think that he's going to try and I think he's going to have an opportunity and Mm -hmm. Um, he'll get insanely, insanely. I mean, he's already rich, but he's going to be insanely rich in the number. Of years. Yeah. And then I, I would speculate the kind of the term I gave it was, I think it's, he's going to be the biggest celebrity athlete. I think he'll be the biggest celebrity athlete in America. Interesting. I don't know about that. Who's bigger? Other than Jordan. LeBron. Is he? I, hey, I love LeBron. I'm if, a LeBron stand. I know you Is are, it? but if you're saying a 10-year scope, I think LeBron's reach is going to be larger than Tom Brady's and more impactful, frankly. I definitely would agree with impactful. I 100% agree with that. I think it'll be different, different places, if you know what I mean. And no, I... And I understand that as well, but I think once LeBron retires in the next three years, I'd have to think um, his 
impact on the other filtering things out, excuse me, with sponsorship deals or whatever else, will have more commercial impact than Brady. Yeah. I I see where you're going with that. I just think it's going to be, I can see who's more likely to be on Shark Tank. You know, who's, who's more likely to have their own version of Shark Tank? LeBron. Tom Brady or LeBron James? LeBron, no doubt. Really? Okay. Yes. Right. I think both of them can be bigger LeBron. than that show. I mean, they could do something like that. I can see Tom Brady doing that too. The thing of it is, is that Brady will be too narrowly focused you think so on his own brand you think yes okay that makes sense that's a really great argument i didn't think of and he's married to a beautiful woman he and his ex-girlfriend together they all have three beautiful children he's never really had to deal with anything of hardship beyond having to try hard yeah. Okay. I just think that LeBron, what he's already shown, and as much as he irritates me as a player on the court, his post-court career is going to be immensely impactful in a way that doesn't just benefit the shareholders. I would agree with that. I think you're going to talk about if you say the shareholders versus the, yeah. I 100% agree on that. Um, but Brady's going to be the one who the shareholders are going to love. They're going to love, but yeah. they won't get the return. Yeah. Well, I agree. I think, I just, I think it's going to be, I think that's, that's a really great argument. I'll just, I, I, I will grant you the win on that one. Oh, thanks. I don't, I don't grant many wins like that. So you got me on that one. So winner, winner, chicken dinner. All right. So um, let's see what else has happened in football this week. We got some got some football hires, some coaching hires, and we've got something else big going on uh, with this uh, lawsuit thing. We want to go lawsuit, or we want to go the different hires first. Well, do we want to touch base on? Oh, we got we'll the strike yes, and or the lockout. For, forgive me, the lockout. And kind of where we are on that, given that people were supposed to start reporting this week. Yeah, so give us the lead here. Go on with that. Yeah, I'm gonna let you jump in and start that for us. Um, where we at? Well, here, here, here's the thing: is that MLB and the Players Association have not reached any kind of agreement, from what I can figure out by what is trickling out, since it's pretty tight-lipped. But, um. Pitchers and catchers were supposed to report this week, I believe. Yeah. Uh, they will not be reporting. Um, it, it made me laugh to be on Twitter after Sunday's game and everyone's like, oh, first game, you know, Royals first game is this. And I was just like, are you really believing that? Yeah. That it's going to happen in 23, 35 days, whatever. The season is going to be delayed. How yeah. much it's going to be delayed now is the question. So we're still in limbo. It's still going to take some time. We'll see how it shakes out. Yeah. It looks like there was a couple of meetings. And they, the Players Association and Major League Baseball have uh, traded proposals. They're not close. They've met twice 
there has been from what little has gotten out, like you said, there's been little movement from either side. We're going to see a delay in uh, spring training. And there's been reports that there are contingency plans for having like a 14 day spring training with extended spring training for non roster player, non 40 man or non 27 man roster players, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, maybe carrying 27 and then, but nothing's going to be agreed upon until both sides agree on something. Right. So there are no contingency plans. There are no this or that. There's ideas. Hey, I got ideas too, but they're not putting me in charge of these things. So I think you're right. I think we're Major League Baseball is in a lot of trouble. And, you know, I know that this, this podcast is pro player. You know, we're, we're on the pro, we're kind of on the player side here because this, this is a lockout. Absolutely. This is not a strike. And so the first person, the next person that comes to me and says, well, they're greedy ball players or Billy, I saw the billionaires arguing with billionaires. And I wanted to slap the person. I wish I could have. Sometimes you just want to reach into Twitter and slap the shit out of somebody. And that person that who I saw that a couple of nights ago, I was like, you just don't know what you're talking about. Correct. Because the, the players have already stated their case. They're not fighting for the top players. They're fighting for the rank and file. That's what they're yeah. 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 And the owners it, would love nothing more but to make them billionaires, the top two or three. I mean, hell, that's why you own a team. Yeah. You you own it for your ego and for your pocketbook. Yeah. That's it. I. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. I I have found that you know I mean I've always joked that if I ever had enough money I'd buy a I'd buy a sports franchise and. But there's a big a fan buying a franchise is so much better than some of these guys who own franchises now. And it's because you'd run it like you'd want to see it. You'd understand the, the, the piece of being part of a uh, of society of being part of a, of an area. You know, if you're the owner of the Kansas city chiefs, all of Kansas city is rooting with you. Everyone's on you. Right. It's not, you know, there's some that the Royals have never understood. The Royals ownership since the Kaufman family, going back to the, you know, when, when Mr. and Mrs. Kaufman both passed away, no one, the Glass family never understood it. The new owner now better understand it. And that's that. I think he does. I, and in theory, we don't, I mean, I don't, we don't have, I have no frame of reference, but I don't have correct. a frame of reference and I don't have enough of a positive opinion of most of the owners to give anybody the frame, the um, benefit of the doubt. So I look at it and say, well, when you, you have this kind of societal, um, you know, you must behave a certain way. You need to behave a certain way when you own a team. I think the one owner who gets it, and I'm sure there are others, but the first one that comes to mind is Mark Cuban. I think he gets it in a way. You're rolling your eyes. But I, here's why I think he gets it. He's trying to win. He understands that it's Dallas's team as much as it is his team. He understands it, and he also leverages it as his toy. Well, yes. Which is going to happen with any billionaire owner, right? But it can't be a tax write-off. No, unfortunately, it has become. I mean, that's the the biggest argument. Right. It's what they're all doing. It it, it shouldn't be a loss leader. It and it shouldn't be a conversation piece. Yeah. It should be, here's something that is super cool that I'm super excited to be involved in. Yeah. And 
in this area, especially with, as we lead into um, the Flores lawsuit, the Denver Broncos are on the market. Yeah. Yeah. So let's and, talk about that. Go ahead. You know, what? what is that ownership going to look like? Because it's been a shit show for the last five, six years yeah. um, with Pat Bullen dying and then the kids not being able to figure anything out because it was held in trust. And now they're just like, yeah, okay, we're going to sell it because we can't agree to agree. Yeah. And then you have... So that was announced Monday morning, Tuesday morning. Uh, Then, you know, this class action lawsuit from Brian Flores, the recently fired Dolphins head coach, saying the NFL discriminates Mm -hmm. actively against Black coaches and staff and... uh, really just black folk altogether. Yeah. Let's talk about this for a minute. Now, you're our legal expert. Is this already a class action suit? So my vague understanding, the way that they are filing this, and I'm sure I will be corrected by folks who do class action lawsuits, but they are filing this because there is a group of people who have also suffered similar damages from the same group of defendants. Well, let's talk about, go ahead. My understanding is that a court still has to declare that it can be a class action. I could be wrong on that. Um, I believe your legal explanation is correct there. So I think there has to be a confirmation and a, you know, a ruling from a judge that says, yes, this can be a class action and move forward as a class action. And then it just kind of waterfalls from there. So there's lots of steps that have to come before the shit hits the fan. Okay. But on some level, the shit is going to hit the fan with all of this. Well, let's talk about who Brian Flores is, people who don't know and what's happened. So Brian Flores is the recently terminated and fired head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Uh, He was in the Miami Dolphins for two seasons. Mm -hmm. He was previously with the New England Patriots for a number of years. Um, Flores um, took on a shit show of a team. It was usually a three-year, I'm sorry. Uh, Took on a horrible team and has managed to build that team into a really great young roster of players. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had a great season last year. They went eight and eight, and this was in 2021. Looked like they were primed for, you know, making the playoffs and having a good opportunity to be going moving forward. Um, you can argue on the field. It kind of the, the quarterback situation was kind of shaky. Um, this year, they took a step back. They actually finished seven and nine. I'm sorry, eight and nine this year. New 17-game schedule. Um, but Brian Flores has been let go at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot was wondered. I mean, I speculated. We speculated on here. Why was Brian Flores fired? I mean, I... I made the thing of saying I thought he was the best NFL head coach of any of um, Bill Belichick's assistant coaches. And a lot of thought revolved around Tua and what his relationship was with Tua. A lot of the belief that had been put out there was that there was a situation between Brian Flores and Tua Tagovailoa and that the quarterback situation 
that uh, it looks like Tua is not going to be the starting quarterback. There were people trying to paint it as Flores didn't like Tua. Then it was painted that the front office didn't like how Flores handled Tua. And mm-hmm. that was the reason for him being let go. What we're finding now, and according, again, according to the lawsuit filed by Brian Flores, he has stated a couple of things. Uh, he's stating that um, he was wrongfully terminated. Yes. He's stating that um, he was offered by the owner of the Dolphins, Stephen Ross, $100,000 per loss his first year as a Dolphins head coach. In, in 2019. Order, in 2019. Yep. In order to tank, as they call it, to try to get the highest draft pick possible. Mm-hmm. So it's the 2019 season leading to the 2020 draft. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the quarterbacks that year were Joe Burrow to a tag of And now the Dolphins did end up with Tua. And a lot of people thought that Tua would be the guy anyway. Um, yeah. They did not get Tua. They got Burrow. They didn't get, they got Tua. They didn't get Burrow. Uh, but I guess Ross's implication was, hey, get to the number one pick. Get as close as you can to the number one pick. And then offered him hundred grand per loss. Uh, Flores turned the money down. He turned down the idea of being paid a bonus to lose games. Um, I respect that because I know I would not be one to be paid to lose games. Absolutely. Um, from there, it looks like it's just as well as it looked like the GM and the coach were working here on building a roster. Uh, Flores is then let go at the end of the 2021 season. And um, this has really been a shit show. Uh, I don't understand why they fired him. At first, I mean, I'm sitting there going, why? This guy has done a really great job. You haven't given him a quarterback yet. Get him a quarterback and see what he can do. But Flores is saying, hey, not only was this situation brought out with the tanking issue, but this is not just me. This is across the board with all African-American coaches that we're not absolutely representation that we should be getting. We're not getting the opportunities that we should be getting, Mm -hmm. even though the legal counter with, we have the Rooney rule that allows for you to get interviews for these head coaching positions. And they've expanded the Rooney rule, which we'll talk about a little bit, but um, basically in what Flores is doing is looking at saying, Hey, I want to change what the NFL is doing. It's almost like, and I've said this before, I'm kind of paraphrasing this, it's Slave Master. He, he's basically saying that, hey, we're, we're being used for short periods of time. We're being used to bring in, and it, when we are getting these opportunities, we're getting these opportunities or bad opportunities or poor situations. We're not being held to the same standard that other white yep. coaches are. We're not getting second chances. We always talk about retread coaches. And man, when I heard Brian Flores was available, I I said it on this podcast. Every team that's looking for a head coach should be Brian Flores. That guy's a fit everywhere. I'm the, my team is the New Orleans Saints. We're looking for a coach. I would love to have Brian Flores as the Saints head coach right now. The commoditization of black men in the NFL is horrific and it happens on every single level and more and more has come out especially over the last five years between litigation around um the concussion protocol and what the pension covers and how it was deemed that 
uh, black players were on a baseline less intelligent and therefore their cognition and their cognitive ability and that decline over years uh, wouldn't be as severe as, as white dudes. Yeah. Super fucked up. The one nice thing um, about the Flores lawsuit, should you choose to skim through it, which I did today, is that it lays out a pretty striking history of the NFL and the segregation that they chose to um, involve themselves in. And the fact that the Rooney rule for whatever intent it was created for, and I would like to hope that it was a positive intent um was 20 years ago yeah that shows you how long the league was holding on to some of these issues around quarterbacks players coaches that in 2002 they had to force this issue yeah so um, Hugh Jackson, former Cleveland Browns and Raiders coach, was on Sports yep. Center this evening. Um, he says he's got information that he would love to share with Brian Flores, and he would, when asked point blank, would he join a class action lawsuit? Yeah, he said he would. Um, this was a line that I thought was incredibly descriptive. Now, let us before I get into this. Let's state for the record, you and I are both mm-hmm. 45, 46 years old. You're 44, yep. 45. Uh, I'll be 45 in March. Okay. We're both around 45, 46, 45, 46 year old, white man and woman doing this podcast. Yep. Okay. So, and I can, you can safely say that both supposed to be pretty fired up about this. And if we're fired up, I can't imagine how these young, how these coaches feel. Because I'm in full and support the players. Of and these players and everything is getting used. Um, so this is the this is the this is the line that I got from that interview that I just thought said it summed it up very well. 101 years of the NFL, there's been 19 black head coaches. And when he said this, Hugh Jackson said there's been 19 head coaches, and I got two of those jobs. It's it's astonishing. And frankly, the timing of all this, it's not only that the lawsuit was filed on the first day of Black History Month, it was also the day that the Broncos went up for sale. And I don't think that that is a coincidence. Expand on that a little bit for people who don't know. I mean, we've talked about So the ownerships of the NFL teams are all white folk. Men, women, generally just because they're widows and it falls in their lap um, or trusts related thereto. There is no minority ownership. In the NFL. In the NFL. And so, or black ownership because the cons own Jacksonville. So I don't want to say, you know, you, it's a good point. That's a good point. I don't want to say there are no minority ownerships, but 
When you only have one team that has any kind of thing and Jacksonville is probably the smallest of the smallest market teams you can really It is really the smallest market in the NFL. In the NFL. So to my point of being called the token girl in the fantasy football team, the cons are the token minority currently in the NFL ownership ring. Yeah. With the Broncos going up for sale and this lawsuit being filed after that announcement, this is going to force some things. It will be interesting to the point that we were kind of discussing of who's going to be the big celebrity, whatever, because there's been talk for years of Peyton Manning coming in and buying a piece. He still lives in Denver. His kids go to school here. He's very involved in the Denver community. But what's that reflection? What does that look like? Especially when, frankly, I tend to believe that all these allegations are true, have been ongoing for decades. And you look at someone like Eric Biennemi, who is the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, who went went to the University of Colorado, who interviewed for the Denver Broncos position and was heavily favored in the local media to get that job. Some OC from green Bay that no one really knew about suddenly gets the job who happens to be a white guy. Yes. It's conspiracy theory, but it doesn't look great in light of all of this that if you've been in any kind of professional situation, I appreciate companies and organizations really trying to enrich their leadership and the employees within it. De- you know, diversity and inclusion is a really hard thing to do. But when you don't want to do it, it's really easy to fake. Yeah. I think it's well said, and I'm going to jump in here for a minute. So a couple mm-hmm. other things I want to talk about with this is, I mean, um, you, you've read the complaint. Now, the, the way it's been put on ESPN, this is a lawsuit against the NFL. Is it against the NFL and all 30 teams? Specifically? So the How way that, that it's captioned is that it's specifically against the three teams. So I believe it's the, the Giants, Broncos. I can't the remember. Is the Dolphins the third one? And the Dolphins, and then 29 John Doe's, essentially. So the other 29 teams in the in the NFL are not specifically named. Okay. Because he didn't have direct experiences with those 29 other teams. That makes sense. Okay. Um, Hugh Jackson in his interview today mentions mm-hmm. that he also had a situation like Brian Flores. Uh, when he was offered money to lose games. Yeah. Um, he said it wasn't as, he as didn't much. say it was at that 100K, but yeah, it was still it a good number. Yeah, he said it was a good number. He didn't say it was 100,000 a game. Um, he said that when this happened, he spoke directly to the commissioner and he implicated the commissioner, Roger Goodell, knew about this. We have seen from, um, the now Washington commanders 
debacle. Uh, Goodell knows what what is going on, mm-hmm. and he is protecting the owners as much as the owners are protecting him. Well, his job is to work for the 32 owners. Correct. He serves at their leisure, and he gets paid a lot of money to take the, mm-hmm. be the lightning rod to take the hits. And he has done that. But I, I want to talk about this for a second here uh, as we get further into this. So Brian Flores brings this suit up, and it, it's this thing is Pandora's box to me. Yes. There's a lot that can happen here. One, you may have a class action lawsuit involving systematic racism in a in a football league that has an antitrust exemption. Yes. So one, let's say this this does become a class action suit. Mm-hmm. Could I'm speculating here? You would know better than me. Could this cause the NFL to lose antitrust exemption? I mean, that's the been the big thing for the last several years because I, I believe MLB is also um, a trade association, and so therefore is organized under five hundred one whatever of the IRS code that makes them a nonprofit, a organization. nonprofit organization. And uh, there has been a push for the last several years from a variety of areas, really starting with the Kaepernick kneeling that there was too much going on politically or otherwise and there was no other way to have these players express themselves that the antitrust situation should arise and so I will be interested if they end up breaking that up and how that affects other professional sports leagues that are organized in a similar fashion um well because they're they're tax exempt so there's a lot of money floating around that is all of a sudden going to get hit in a way that these owners haven't experienced yeah and so there's going to be huge fight around it of course yeah the nfl teams are basically a pretty press at this point and here are some of the things that bother me about the antitrust exemption they have they're basically a legal monopoly and and what bothers me about it is that yeah they don't have any other competition as far as other football mm-hmm. leagues I and mean, there is things like the usfl and the xfl but those are a different cat different breed of animal what bothers me about it is that these owners are now getting stadium funding at local and state levels. Yeah. They're getting tax benefits at the local and state levels. Absolutely. Providing jobs and providing these. And they're getting all this, but they're not paying any taxes. And they're not yeah. having to go through the same thing that you or I as a business person have to go through. It's 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 a multi-tiered grift. Yeah. For for these majority men yeah. um to just kind of basically funnel and wander their other earnings through yeah i i look at this and i keep seeing this and, I, and a couple of the other things that came to mind was a couple of these ideas on the coaching side i'm talking about coaching stuff for mm-hmm. a minute here like i said brian flores was great and he's on espn earlier today hugh jackson came on and talked about it as mm-hmm. well um dominique foxworth i don't know if you're familiar with dominique foxworth his work on espn he's really fantastic he's a former head of the nfl players association 
and he came on and said that um, he, he likened the point of, if you look at these 19 hires, many of these hires have been um, black men are given these jobs and they were brought into some of the worst situations. He pointed to the guys like Marvin Lewis, who yeah. uh, had a job in Cincinnati for a long time. Yeah. He never had a lot of support from his ownership there. They, they still don't have an out. They still don't have an indoor practice facility. This is 2020, 2022. Still 20 years later, Marvin Lewis has been gone for, for a few years now. Mm-hmm. You know, he was there for these years and had this. Um, Mike Tomlin is one who's had a good situation in Pittsburgh. Uh, he is the only black head coach in the NFL right now. And to be stated, yeah, the Rooney's own yeah. a portion the, of the Steelers. The Rooney, the so Rooney's that Steelers. is the advent of the Rooney rule. Yeah. So, uh, but one of the other ideas was that many of these times these, these gentlemen have been hired as been given jobs, given jobs, they've earned these jobs. But they've been jobs where they've come in and had to been told the edict from the GM and the ownership was it may not have been go out there and lose, but it's we're going to stockpile draft picks. We're going to take our time and reevaluating and redoing our roster. Um, the one that was brought to mind was David Cooley, who was just fired by the Houston Texans for one season. And mm-hmm. Dominic Foxworth just said, this is scapegoating. Exactly. You're I mean, you brought in, brought in a head coach and a bath. I'm sorry, I cut you off there. The bar- no, no, I was just terrible uh, situation. Exactly. You're setting these guys up to fail. Yeah. And you're going to make the argument that they don't have the connection with the players, that they don't have the offensive, defensive mind, whatever. Yeah. I, and I, most of that is just straight nonsense. Yeah. I, um, I want to bring up a couple more points about this and, and a couple mm-hmm. of them. I want to get to a couple of more things. We're going to talk about the Rooney rule here as well uh, on the Rooney rule. Let's talk about what the Rooney rule is. The Rooney rule was instituted in 2003 named after the former Steelers owner, Dan Rooney. Dan Rooney came up with an idea of we want to help African-Americans minorities, all up, all minorities get head coaching jobs. Mm-hmm. And so a rule was instituted that, you must interview an African-American or a minority, I'm sorry, it does state a minority candidate mm-hmm. for every head coaching position. That rule has been expanded on in the last few years to now include general manager. Uh, it also includes uh, offensive and defensive coordinator. Yeah, it's yeah. like coaching in front office, essentially. Yeah. There's a couple of French front office pieces in there as well. Mm-hmm. Now, I get what Dan Rooney was trying to do. Dan Rooney was trying to give an opportunity to people who were deserving of the opportunity and who we saw vastly by number were not getting them. Yeah. And he hired Mike Tomlin and who has been there ever since. I mean, yeah, his head coach and tried to show, here's the example. We've seen guys get jobs. We've seen them um, in lower numbers. And they've never, we haven't seen any hang on. Mike Tomlin is the senior most of all African-American coaches. He's the only African-American coach right now. Um, but I mean, before that, I would think that Tony, Dun- Tony Dungy had the longest run between the Colts and, uh, the, Colts and the, Bucks. the Bucks. Yeah. 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 Jim Caldwell's had a couple of different jobs as well. Yeah. So, I mean, you look, if you could call well, things had two jobs. He was the Colts and Lions. 
mm-hmm. um, Dungey two. So if you take Dungey, Hugh Jackson, and Jim Caldwell, that's six of the 19 jobs. So, and it's the same. I yeah. mean, the Bucks have had two or three of those yeah. coaches. Yeah. You've so, had the Steelers with one coach. Yeah. And then who else has really done anything? None. None. I mean, um, I read an interesting article this morning. It was with mm-hmm. uh, it's Brooks Kubina. I hope that's the right way to spell it to say his name. So I thought it was a great article. It's in the Houston Chronicle. And he talks about some of the statistics around the hires as far as African-American mm-hmm. coaches. Now, let's first state this number. African-American players make up 58% of the current rosters in the NFL. 58%. Yeah. Okay. One in 32 head coaches. Those positions currently is filled by an African-American. Ridiculous. Since the Rooney rule, of the hires that have been made of, of black head coaches, one half, just, just over one half, it was 53, 54%. He didn't say exactly. Uh, just over one half of those black coaches, they had either worked with the team that hired them or worked previously with the general manager elsewhere. There was so there's a connection involved. Yeah, there was already some knowledge of that person. The Rooney Rule was supposed to give people the opportunity to interview who otherwise wouldn't have gotten them. Now we're going to compare that to your normal white guy. Mm-hmm. One third of white head coaches hired since the Rooney rule have either worked with that team or with the general manager. Now the, hmm. the, the framework of the, of the um, article revolves around Carl Peterson, the old general manager of the Kansas city chiefs. Okay. And this is not an old boys thing. I, this was not a, uh, an indictment on Carl Peterson. Mm-hmm. It's just showing that this is how this, this job works. Carl sure. Peterson was hired in the early 90s as the head is the general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. He hired Marty Schottenheimer, someone he knew and worked with in Cleveland. Yep. When Marty Schottenheimer retired, he hired Gunther Cunningham, who was the head coach for two seasons, who had previously yep. worked with the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. He was the defensive coordinator for Schottenheimer. Gunther Cunningham was let go, and Carl Peterson called his old friend Dick Vermeil who had worked with him together in Philadelphia years before. Mm-hmm. He got Dick yep. Vermeil to come out of retirement. Dick Vermeil retired again, and Carl Peterson hired Herm Edwards. Herm Edwards, black man. Herm Edwards is the other two-team yes. coach. Yes. Yes. Um, so, yeah, three guys have had six of the jobs. Um, and Herm Edwards became the coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, mm-hmm. we're not trying to indict the Chiefs by any means here. What we're using is this is the example of this is how this works. And look, we've all worked a job at some point of our lives where we got the job because we knew somebody. Right. The point of the Rooney rule is that it's supposed to help those who don't have those connections, who are looking for the, who are deserving of the opportunity. And that's not what's happening. What's happening is when teams are looking to hire a coach they've already got a mindset of who they want but so, they're going to go fill in these job interviews 
And now we have to do two candidates. And that's what was really yeah. fascinating about the Flores lawsuit relative to his supposed interview with the Giants that he gets a text from Bill Belichick of all people saying, hey, I hear, you, I hear you nailed it. You got the job. It was meant for Diebold, who was announced shortly thereafter, but it was after Flores's formal interview with the Giants, and he went in there knowing that he didn't have the job yeah. and that he truly was a token. And these teams, I think it's very hard for me to believe on an intellectual and emotional level to think that they just aren't checking a box. Yeah. Whether it, whether the, you know, accusations level against the Broncos about them showing up hungover, whatever, I, I don't know. The bigger, I'm not aware of that story. What is that story? Now? So one of the one of the formal accusations is that when Flores interviewed for the Broncos in 2019, that John Elway, then the GM, um, and their some other guy, I don't remember the the construct, showed up completely disheveled and clearly hungover from the night before. Okay. So I'm just not taking the interview itself seriously. Correct. It is checking the box that you have to check on there. Yes. It is just a thing that they have to do. Okay. You know, this is, uh, we talked about this off the air and we see the same thing right now in New Orleans. I mean, you know, I'm a Saints fan. Sean Payton just resigned. And it's pretty clear that Dennis Allen is going to be the next head coach of the Saints. But because of the Rooney rule, Dennis Allen is the current defensive coordinator. The Saints cannot come out and announce that they've decided to promote the defensive coordinator and come out with Sean Payton's blessing and say, hey, here's my guy. We're going to bring him in here. It's going to go smooth. Saints fans, we got you. We can't do that because the Rooney rule says you have to do interviews. So we know they've interviewed Byron Leftwich. I believe that it was Todd Bowles was the other. I don't know that one for certain. But – it's again, you have to check the box, but really, I mean, Byron Leftwich's not getting that job. Doesn't matter how great he is in that interview. And that's the problem with it. It's, and, and I don't have a problem with, hey, promote the guy you want to promote. It's your business. It is, you, you have the opportunity to do that. But what I mm-hmm. do have a problem with is that we're saying, the NFL is saying you have to do these interviews, but then they're not doing the interviews in in a meaningful way very well put in a meaningful and real way and that's the that's the issue i have here i i brought this note up so we've got four new hires as if we're recording and there's a couple it looks like the vikings have got somebody we haven't got confirmation that yet as we're talking this is wednesday Wednesday night we've got february uh, 2nd broncos bears raiders and giants have all hired new head coaches Mm -hmm. um all white and some of these guys are worthy. I mean, Josh McDaniels is worthy of a second chance. I didn't really like the Tebow thing, and he got tied with the Tebow deal in Denver. 
he's going to get a second chance in the Raiders, and it looks like it's one of just a package. He and director of player, assistant director of player personnel from New England are both going. Um, the Giants just hired Brian Dayball, the Buffalo offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Brian Dable has very much been qualified to be a head coach. So, and I'm not even mad that they hired Brian Dable and not Brian Flores. Don't like the way they handled the interview process, obviously. Um, Buffalo's assistant GM, uh, his name is Joe Schoen, is the new general manager of the Giants. And, and there's a couple of Nathaniel Hackett we talked about already from Green Bay, the offensive yep. coordinator, his new Broncos coach. Um, he's bringing over some people with him from Green Bay. So and gonna, presumably Aaron Rodgers. To try to do a deal to get Aaron Rodgers to come over. Bears hired uh, Matt Eberfluss, who is the offensive coordinator of the Indianapolis Colts. Um, not a real exciting pick and not someone that I think was even on the wish list of both Bears fans and front office people, especially knowing that their situation of having a young African-American quarterback, someone who's exciting, and they go get a defensive coach. And, I mean, I will say the Bears went out and did hire Lovey Smith at some point. Yeah, and I will say that in everything I've read about Eberfluss, he's a hell of a coach. Okay, I'm not trying to say that that's a bad hire. I don't know. What I am saying is that the expectation was, and again, this is Maybe a fan's expectation. Maybe it's the expectation of people who mm-hmm. aren't paying the paychecks of these players, but technically we are, is you're going to make a hire for Justin Fields to help Justin Fields. Boy, right. it would have looked good to have had Byron Leftwich there. It would have looked good to have Eric Bieniemy there. It would have looked good to have Eric Bieniemy in Denver where he's, you know, played his college ball in Colorado. You know, a lot of people talk about that. You you live in Denver. You've heard a lot about talk about Eric Bieniemy being there. These are the things that are just yeah. It's too coincidental. Here, these five jobs are still open. So we got currently still open: New Orleans, mm-hmm. Miami, Jacksonville, Houston, and Minnesota. Now, it looked like Minnesota was targeting Jim, uh, Jim Harbaugh. That's not going to happen. Though. Uh, we haven't heard anything just about to know. Both Miami and Houston fired black coaches. Yes. Yes. And yeah, we don't know what's Yeah. Jacksonville. We know a month ago, I had to rant about the Jacksonville job. You did. It's too easy. A hire. I mean, Byron left, which was the absolute perfect hire. And it was really fascinating for me to listen to an interview with uh, the beat reporter from the Tampa Bay newspaper on the Rich Eisen show, who was just like, maybe it's more of a GM issue there than it is anything else. Because yes, Byron Leftwich makes sense, but no one wants to be around that GM. So here's the thing. We got five open coaching positions still. Forbin hired Mm -hmm. These five candidates, I mean, these five guys are all quality coaches who should either be given an opportunity or given another opportunity. Absolutely. Ryan Flores, who I mean, it's a fucking no-brainer that this guy should be a head coach in the NFL. Great coach. I mean, great coach. Todd Bowles, who Excellent was coach too in Arizona, got fired in Arizona so they could hire Cliff fucking Kingsbury. I don't know uh, he's he's I guess he's just cuter. I don't know. I, maybe, but I, give me Todd Bowles every day <laughs> of the day of the week for the football team. 
Uh, and yeah. Todd Bowles has done a great job as a defensive coordinator in Tampa now. Absolutely. Byron Leftwich, who as an ex-player, universally respected, been an offensive coordinator now with Bruce Arians in Tampa. Eric B. Enemy, who's now been passed over for three years. Yep. Kansas City. And then D'Amico Ryans, another guy. These are guys who are ready. They're ready yeah. to be head coaches right now. And none of those five guys are getting any of those five openings. Not, no, it, they're not getting sincere looks. They're getting the token looks that they have to do because of the Rooney rule. And it sucks. It doesn't make any sense. Teams could really benefit from this. And I am hopeful, frankly, that this lawsuit is going to push whatever happens here in Denver to a black ownership. Because that's going to trickle all the way down because I've seen a number of articles that it really, it's a top-down deal. And if you look at the age of the majority of these owners of the NFL teams, they're clinging to things that no longer exist. That's really well put. And those ideas, it's systematic racism. I mean, it It is. And it's, yeah, I... I, and I'm people get out who on this. choose me, not to see it just yeah. Yeah. I wanna, they've I wanna, not lived outside of themselves. Yeah. So I guess that's good like, for them. Do you watch South Park? <laughs> um, I'm hit and miss on it, but you know, okay. they did buy Casa Bonita out here. Okay. So I'm going to have to invest. I am not someone who has been a South Park. I don't normally watch it. I watch it when it's on. Once mm-hmm. in a while, if I come across it, I'll watch it. It's funny stuff, but it's not my regular Absolutely. habit. Have you ever seen the South Park episode about the NCAA? Oh, around the Ed O'Bannon stuff? Yes. I think I've seen pieces of it, okay. but not the whole thing. The but part it's... of it is, and what it reminds me of where I'm kind of going with this, is that there's a scene where Cartman is dressed mm-hmm. in the all-white suit. Yep. In the white hat, like Colonel Sanders and everything, and... Uh-huh. He's talking about the the, the, the slaves. So we got my slave. He has the, he's got a Kentucky kind of voice, mm-hmm. and and you know Colin Kaepernick said something about they were slave masters. He's not wrong. This is this he's is, not. Just, and whether it's Colin Kaepernick making fun of him or, or saying it or South Park making fun of it, it is what these old white guys who own these teams are, and yeah, it, and the the NFL is going to be better off in the long run making some of these teams, holding these owners accountable and, and making some real change happen. We've seen it already in other leagues. We saw it in the NBA with yep. Donald Sterling. We, are, we have seen what's happened with the way that our culture has embraced Colin, the, the, the things that happened with Colin Kaepernick beginning there and embracing these ideas. And the NFL, to me, has really dropped the ball here. They, they're saying one thing, but they're really doing another behind the scenes. The NFL has done performative race awareness. Yeah. They don't care at all from a base level for who their players are or 
who's affected by anything that's negative so long as they perform on the field. I agree. So every player is a commodity. The owners are just looking to get their dollars and it sucks. I have one more thing I want to talk about on this. And uh-huh. just a thought, the thought. In the last few years, um, the NFL's come down on in the last couple of years when it comes to off the field things. We've seen what's happened with Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson didn't play this entire season. And that's been a, a thing with the Texans. They said he's just not going to play. We've mm-hmm. seen um, Bounty Gate really got dropped on Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. You know, those sort of things. We saw when the Saints had um, – that's Deflategate. I'm sorry, Deflategate with Brady. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bounty Gate in New Orleans dropped on Sean Payton, suspended him for a year. Yep. You notice who always gets away with things, though? The owners. Did Robert Kraft have any issues if you're going to the massage parlor pregame? Uh, no, I mean, he got dismissed because there was intrusive – Mm-hmm. That been, or whatever else okay like let's say I, for instance, that was tom brady i appreciate what you're saying i have some issue of bringing deshaun watson into it given that's some true. Of the allegations that are around and, that. There, and there are there are active allegations there that's what i'm saying that they're at these they're and now the mul- i mean it's just not one it's like 20 yes there are as the allegations plural, there are a number I think it's over 20. I get it. So and maybe, so it's, maybe Deshaun Watson's not the best example. We'll talk about maybe Ben Roethlisberger. Again, no. He raped someone in a bathroom. Okay. Did he, was he, there was allegations. Was he ever, was he suspended? Not that I know yes, of. he was. Ben Roethlisberger was suspended. For how long? Uh, I think for half a season. It was, it was a short period of time. It was a suspension. My point is, is that but I understand Robert, that it doesn't roll Robert, up to the people who are yeah, actually paying Robert the Kraft is being suspended. Jim Irsay gets busted with a bunch of a bunch of illegal prescriptions. Yeah, in his car, his truck, DWI, and yep. he doesn't get any, no issue there. Stephen Ross, now the owner of the Miami Dolphins, is not going to get anything from this. Oh God, no. No, and theoretically, the owner of the Bengals, who I can't. I have Mike no Brown. idea who that Mike is. Mike Brown is the owner of the Bengals. He's horrible. So again, if assuming Hugh Jackson's allegations are correct, also was offering to tank the team for well, that, money. Hugh Jackson was in Cleveland. That's the Browns. Right. And that's not oh, Mike Brown. Sorry. That's um, um, the guy who was flying J trucking. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. I, but there is a Google. And we can do that real quick because we're kind of smart like that. So let's retract any declaration of that. Jimmy Haslam. Jimmy Haslam. The same thing. And frankly, I fully believe that there are teams across the league, just as there have been across the NBA Mm -hmm. over the last 10 years, trying to rig the system for themselves from a draft perspective. Should but Steve, yes, I I, I, I appreciate Ross, that point that yeah. it doesn't roll up. Okay, should Stephen should Stephen Ross or Jimmy Haslam be given the same 
kind of situation that, that Donald Sterling got with the Clippers. Yes, he told, absolutely. He told you got sold to sell the team. You're out. Yes. Is there any chance the NFL does that? No. Not unless they get so much external pressure. And by what I mean by external pressures, that's coming from Congress because they're threatening to change tax laws yeah. around they lose, their they structure. Lose. Um, yes. If they lose the antitrust exemption. They'll be yes. There. Yes. Yeah. I just think that you these owners have to be held responsible as well. They should be. And, and that's why I don't think that these owners should be able to hold multiple properties. The Cronkies are a perfect example where they own the Nuggets, they own the Rapids, they own the Rams. Yeah. Um, there's a couple others in yeah. there. Yeah, the real oh. owner... I like the owner of the Red Sox now owns, you know, race is a racing team and Red Sox, they're buying the Pittsburgh Penguins, that whole thing. Yeah. It's um, ridiculous. Yeah. It, it's, I was curious to see your thoughts on that because the owners are going to be held responsible at some point. And the problem is that the commissioner will do nothing about that because the commissioner works with the owners. So that's the issue, right? Is that the GM is the perceived uh seawall between the owners and the team yeah and the thing of it is is that the gm is still working at the direction of the owners Mm -hmm. regardless of how much freedom they're granted the owners are still able to talk in the ear of the gm and say i don't really like that idea or no i think we need to look in another direction with that higher this that and the other the owners have more power than they would like to concede yeah. or acknowledge. Yeah. I, I wanted to throw that out there. So no, um, I think it's a great point and it it should roll up. Yeah. Yeah, I wanna uh, I gotta ask you, so we're gonna have a little fun with this one. So now uh, we've been so serious. <laughs> so we'll start by saying. I'm sorry I have not gotten you your trunk yet from Trunk Club. <laughs> I will get it. Uh, my, my next one is on the way. It should be here by the end of the week. I ordered awesome. the winter workwear trunk. So, Oh, did trunk. you get I I want to see it. Can you like take some snaps and put and it yes, up on the social? I will take pictures and I will put it out there on social for everybody. Awesome. Um, you can check our Twitter. You can check out the at Coach Bono's Twitter. You can see the link there for um trunk club there is a link in there save fifty dollars you can go use our code or use our link you can save fifty dollars on your first trunk from trunk club and what i love about this so we've got this we've got a couple different other versions in the past other mm-hmm. companies but i like trunk club and i and so i i've used it for my kiddo get kind of help him get his game together you know you know he's he's, he's almost 20 now but you know you gotta step his game like you can't just be t-shirt and shorts all the time um so we did, we've, we've done, you know, you got your sizes and you got your, what do you like? Mm-hmm. What do you dislike? What colors do you like? How do you like to yeah. wear it? Are you a big guy? Are you a little guy? Are, you know, are you tall? Are you thin? You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And this is for men or women. It can be for kids. It can be for adults. But the thing I think is really underrated is when you're on the website or you're on the app, 
Now they have mm-hmm. featured trunks. So you can say, hey, I want to look at the Winter Essentials trunk. And maybe I want that. And you can try these things on. I'll send them to you. You can try them on. You like them, keep them. You don't like them, nice. send them back. So this is a great way to spruce up your wardrobe. I'm trying it. I got my first trunk a few weeks ago. I really liked it. Uh, now I got the winter workwear because I want some new stuff to wear around the office. I don't want to just wear, I don't like wearing suits and ties. I don't wear ties at all. Uh-huh. And I didn't want to wear just dress pants and golf shirts. So I got hey, some new stuff coming. So. A lot of us have been at home for more than two years. So this is a great way to do something else and yes. just feel a little bit fresher. Yeah. If you're going back to the office, you've been at home, working from home, this is a great way to do it. Or you just uh-huh. want something casual or you want, they have one called the weekend, the winter weekend trunk. Or maybe you're planning a trip and you want something special. There you go. So definitely check out Trunk Club. You'll see there's going to be a link in the show notes. You can do that while you're listening to the podcast. Click on there, check it out, all that good stuff. Don't try to wait till we're all done. Do it now. Don't pause us. Just keep listening. And you can do it while you do both. Multitask. Let's save $50 in your first trunk. There you go. Hey, I, I got to ask you, I was talking to a friend of mine this week. We were talking about uh-huh. different stuff. And, you know, I went to Elton John uh, last night and we were talking today yep. again about it. Are you a concert goer? I enjoy concerts mm-hmm. in an outdoor setting more so than an indoor setting. Okay. Do you like to smoke weed when you're at the concert? Should I tell? I'm just oh yeah, that's fine. I, I mean, one of the first concerts that I went to in Topeka was the Aerosmith concert and I did Slayer. Yeah, they did like a few of them in a row. Yeah. Yeah. And Slayer opened for them. Yeah. And uh, beyond Slayer, like bringing the chainsaw out on oh, that was the Slayer, stage. Right? Yeah. That was, that yeah. was a lot. And then uh, as soon as Aerosmith came out, everyone just lit up and yeah. I was just like, okay. Okay. These are what concerts are. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not a concert goer myself. I will go to one occasion. I, mm-hmm. I don't do this a lot. You had no clue we we're going to go this way at the end here, but I wanted to go here and have some fun with this. So okay. I'm more of a ball. I'm more of a ball games guy. I like to go to ball games. If I'm going to go on vacation or even if I go on business somewhere, I'm going to sneak into a ball game somehow. Absolutely. You, you have shared some of your baseball exploits. I mean, it's like, you know, if I'm going to Chicago, I got to go be there for a couple of days. I'm going to schedule it where I can sneak in, sneak for a, either a Cub game or a White Sox game or something. Or it would be a football game, whatever it might be. I'm going to figure it out. I don't do a lot of concerts. This week, uh, we decided about a month and a half ago to go see Elton John. Now, You know, I'm in my mid to late 40s now. And it's one of those things when we were talking about it, I've always liked Elton John's music. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't call myself a super fan by any means. Mm-hmm. I've never seen him in concert. So couldn't even sing all the songs. I, I know many yeah. of them, but I don't know all of them. Me and the wife went. And you know Jen. We've been going with yes. your little kids. So uh, yep. me and Jen went. We had a great time. But we were talking about something as we left. And I had the conversation with someone this morning then as well, and yesterday morning. As someone doesn't go to many concerts, I was thinking about other shows I would be willing to go to. And mm. here's what I came up with, is that um, I only go to concerts now because I'm afraid of not being able to see the person in the future. I went to Elton John because I was like, this is it. I'm not going to go see him ever again. So the that, one chance I've got. Yeah, that is super fair. I remember when Prince died, uh-huh. uh, 
I was crushed that I hadn't ever seen him in person. I was, at, and so now I think about that. Last night, our conversation was, Jen's like, well, what shows would you go to? And I was like, well, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. You give me some ideas and suggestions. And then what we came back to was the shows I'm willing to go to are the mm-hmm. older people that I liked when I was young. Sure. And that you don't know if you're going to get another chance. So like, I, I, I've, been, I've seen George Strait a couple of times. I like some country music. I like George mm-hmm. Strait. I would go one more George Strait concert. Mm-hmm. Let's go see it one more time as in this age. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mentioned, uh, you know, last year, Phil Collins. Was last year was maybe, he was in two. Oh, yeah. Phil Collins was on tour. I yep. wanted to go, but I couldn't get away and go. And I'm like, oh. this is the last chance. This is not going to happen. Again. Yep. I missed the opportunity. I, um, I bought tickets for that 2019 show and my sister-in-law ran the Chicago Marathon that weekend and we went up to Chicago and I sold them to my stylist (laughs) we were talking about stuff like that so i'm going to ask you so um give me i came up with four people that i was willing to go see i already mentioned george Strait. um i got Mm -hmm. four that i was i knew that i will go see these four people before these four groups or people before i'm gone all right so my list was george Strait, Mm -hmm. the foo fighters i've never seen in concert i do like Mm -hmm. they're probably the youngest of the four Mm -hmm. Uh, Pearl Jam, mm-hmm. who I've never seen in, in concert. And the other one was, oh, now I'm forgetting who the other one was. It was, oh, oh, U2, one more time. The, my favorite band is U2. I know that makes me really, really stupid. I get it. People no, you're not stupid. Because, you I, like what you like. People who are music people don't like U2. I love U2. I've it seen doesn't matter. I'm going to see it one more time. But those are my four. Is there someone that you're like, I got to go see this act or this person before they're done? The one, okay, so I would love to see Bruce Springsteen. He's on my list too. I'm sorry. And Jen won't go to me with me. Jen refuses to go to Bruce Springsteen. So um, I will call you when that happens. I'll come to Denver or you come here. And we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out and we'll yeah, go. Yeah. My friend Blaine and I at work have talked about this at nauseum. Like that's, that's the one thing that we know he's bound to go on tour yeah. and we've got to grab tickets. Okay. Um, you know, frankly, I would love to see John Mayer live. Okay. Well, and he's he's currently on tour he's going to be hitting denver here in march um i did not get tickets but he's an amazing guitar player and his lyrics are great i enjoy him um i know a lot of people kind of dumped on him for a variety of reasons which i get uh i would love to see pink floyd that will never happen. My brother went to one of the last concerts in Kansas city that they kind of put on. Um, I've no desire to see like the stones or anything at this point. Cause they're just too old. I've seen the stones. I wouldn't do it again. They were great. When I saw them, I was a lot younger. Um, a couple of years ago when they were at Arrowhead, I was going to take Peyton. Yeah. Cause Jen didn't want to go. And then I was like, I don't know if it'd be any good or not. And that's, I, I part of me be like, yeah, one last. It was I was gonna take Peyton because it mm-hmm. would have been his first concert. Oh. And that's a great story for your first concert when yeah. you're his age. 
to be the Rolling Stones. Yeah, no, so that absolutely. was my thinking on that. And I guess I don't know. Maybe that last slot goes into the one group that Nicholas wants to see. It's not necessarily that my parents never took me to any shows. My parents didn't either. The the first concert I went to was Billy Ray Cyrus at the Expo Center in Topeka with Melissa. <laughs> and um I have a cool first concert. I'll tell you what that means. Go ahead. You know, and the second one was Aerosmith with Slayer. And so it's just kind of like I I've seen Pearl Jam twice. I would love to see them again. I would love to see Pearl Jam at Wrigley Field just because that is like yeah that's the kind of their they're their, 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 their cubs thing yeah yeah um yeah. just like i i had died i had so much wanted to see billy joel and elton john together when they were touring in the 90s yeah the dueling piano still they did yeah i i saw billy joel in madison square garden oh wow it's a pretty good replacement um even though it was 20 years later yeah i i enjoy live music because of the vibe of just having so many people who are there for the same reason yeah there yeah and there's just there's just so much joy around that that i really enjoy i think that's where i like i'm i'm more of a ball of a sports guy so Mm -hmm. i it's the same kind of thing you're all rooting for the yeah that kind of thing yeah um but i do see that and and i've gotten a little bit older now now i'm like okay i'm more willing to go to some shows now i'm just glad that i didn't i'm glad one didn't have a daughter because you gotta you gotta take some of them some of those kind of concerts i was not sitting through any that shit so i'm glad they're right to deal with that with a teenage daughter um having a teenage son peyton never really wanted to go to that stuff he was always a sports kid too so i was like oh cool i'll take you to the ball game you know, we did a lot of ball. We done a lot of ball trips. Um, oh, but, uh, Nicholas and I have too, and yeah. I'm grateful for that. But yeah. I'm also glad that he's kind of starting to scope out the concert scene a little bit. I'm like, yeah, maybe even I don't like it. It might yeah. be a cool. Yeah. yeah. So I, I was curious about that. I wanted to ask you about that too. Your first concert was Billy Ray Cyrus. Yes, Achy Break Your Heart tour. Ooh. My first concert, I was my my aunt Mary took me to my first concert, and it was in Atlanta. It was at mm-hmm. the old uh, Fulton County Stadium, and it was Eric Clapton in oh, Genesis. That would be a fantastic concert. Yeah, I was like twelve or thirteen years old. I could not now tell you like I love that kind of music now. I could yeah. not tell you a whole lot of memories from that. But what I can tell you is I could not appreciate it either. I did not understand what I was at. But that was right. my first, very first concert. My Aunt Mary. Oh, me. my goodness. Yeah. That is fascinating. Yeah. yeah. No, Billy Ray Cyrus at the Expo Center and it snowed that night. And we were driving around in Melissa's uh, Mustang convertible with the top down. And Chad was with us as well. Mm. Uh, people at least they have no idea who these people are. No, that's okay. Yeah. And I don't need to, Shout out to you. We miss you. We to love you. Fully call them out. And yeah. but uh yeah, that's something that I absolutely hang on to. But wow, Eric Clapton and Genesis. Yeah. Cause that was during 
the Peter Gabriel era. No, no, it was no after the Peter Gabriel. It was like eighty. It was like eighty-seven. Yeah, that would have been an amazing show. At Fulton County Stadium, it's a big ass. It's a big, small park. It's where the Braves used to play. Right, because that was at the height of MTV. Yeah. That was the and, height of like uh, Genesis, Invisible Touch, you know. Exactly. And, and, and Clapton so, um, had just done. Um, um, I don't even remember the songs were there at the time. I mean, it was just but he was Clapton. I mean, so it's like in, in, in Genesis. Well, he had so much going on. I, he hadn't done his Unplugged album yet because no, that came out no, when we were in, we're high, in high school. school. But uh, yeah, that would be really sweet. Yeah, I mean, my parents. Yeah. This wasn't something we did a lot of when I was young. My my parents. Well, and we never did either because my parents grew up on big band and swing. Yeah. What's your favorite concert you went to? mm, I've loved both Anderson Pack concerts that I've gone to, which has been in the last four years, because he's just a phenomenal performer. Um, seeing Janet Jackson live in Jones Beach, New York was amazing in part because of the circumstances that some guy asked me to go to prom and my parents let me go and part of it ended up going to this concert. Uh, and I love Janet Jackson to no end. And this was during the Janet album and that tour. So it was amazing. Um Those would be the highlights. Okay. Because the rest of them are just like random memories of right. nonsense that occurred during those shows, whether okay. it was Lilith Fair or Horde Fest or whatever. Because I've seen like Dave Matthews two or three times and that yeah. kind of stuff too. And it's just. I got a buddy who goes to a Dave Matthews concert every tour. Good for um, him, Scott, man. Scott Freeman, my main man. He's yeah. Every, he, you know Scott, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. So Scott, he goes every every day. We have these three. He is at least one, usually a couple different shows. So yeah, that's my dude. I yeah. mean, I I know but a I'm lot not of people... big Dave Matthews guy, but I would go with Scott if he ever asked me to go. It, it's it's a great show. Um, and I know a lot of people kind of dig on Sandstone or whatever the hell it's called anymore, but. I had a lot of really great concert experiences in my formative years. So I, that will always be a, a, a sweet place in my heart. <laughs> All right. Well, I wanted to go a little lighthearted there at the end. We went in hard on the, uh, the yeah. deal. I wanted to kind of have some fun here at the end. So, uh, Hey, thanks for the time today. I appreciate it as always coming on. Um, of course. Are you going to give us a, at least a hint on who you're going to pick for Super Bowl? Um, I am going with the veteran, so take that for what you will, but yes, I'm, I'm still, I'm sitting with Stafford who I was cheering for to win the game, even though I thought the Rams would puke it in the end, uh, this week, this past weekend. So yeah, I am going to be interested to see what spreads start showing as they come out. I I know that the, uh, all the. The, the first spread was four points. Okay. And I know and all the points. random uh, betting stuff. We'll talk is about, we're going to do, we're going to do a bunch of those next week. We're going to get a, okay. I'm going to get a list of the, uh, the prop bets. 
Yeah. So all the, cause I think, uh, the national anthem was coming out around 95 seconds. Okay. Who that was singing the initial the prop at. I don't know who's singing it. Have you seen the, uh, you on TikTok? Do you do TikTok at all? I have TikTok. I'm not on TikTok. I, one of the things though, Jen got me on TikTok and I, and Jen and Peyton are trying to talk me into like doing TikToks and I, I'm mm-hmm. close. I can be tipped over. I don't know exactly how we're going to do it yet. Uh-huh. It may be something we do. Um, I love this idea out there now of a whole generation of kids are about to find out how gangster their parents are. Oh, yo. Because of the halftime yo. show. Yeah. <laughs> no, Nicholas was more excited at hearing that Kendrick Lamar was going to be on the halftime show. And I was like, um, I yeah. think we need to discuss everyone else that's involved, he, but I also love Kendrick, so he's great. But you guys said you got to sit Nicholas down, you're gonna have to say, Hey, look, 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 look here, young blood, you're gonna learn about this right here. I'm gonna teach you about this right here. <laughs> I have the CD still. <laughs> I don't think I own a CD anymore. I don't oh. own any CDs or DVDs. I just, I, I own both. Mm. DVDs are much smaller, but CDs I've held on to because I have a CD player still in my car. So I, I have one I don't use. Oh, it's great. It's it's fun. Uh, so I can tell you who I'm picking. That's all I'm gonna go. Who are you picking? I'm picking the young you, gun. Oh, I'm yeah. I mean, oh, you oh can't God. how do, how does it feel though? And maybe you can process this more next week when we go in depth, but you were riding the Rams from the preseason, I, and now you're jumping in for pick. your LSU boy. You know what? They're my preseason pick, but i i i have a, a, a I have a pretty healthy man crush on Joe Burrow, and I, uh, man, I, I'm not picking against Joe Burrow. Go for the real diamonds, man. The real diamonds. <laughs> They're real. He makes too much money to not be real. Real diamonds. Oh man, I love that guy. Dude, that's <laughs> I. Jen, Jen says, is there any chance you're going to try to go to the Super Bowl? And I was like, no, I'm not even going to look. I'm not even going to look at tickets because the first time I look, I will figure out a way. And that's not what we need. Right yes. Now. There's too many things going on at the O'Connor Hacienda to be worried about doing that right now. So we'll have more news on that in the coming weeks. So um, we'll talk later. Okay. I can't do this on the air. No, no, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, everybody's okay. Said Peyton. I'm here. I'm just here to be in the flow. That's yeah. all. Um, but yeah, I can't. I get against my guy Joey Joey B. And I have gone to. Uh, so I went to the national championship. I went to mm-hmm. the uh, Chick Fil A Bowl, the Peach Bowl that he was in, mm-hmm. the LSU semifinal game. I went to the bowl game his junior year, the Fiesta Bowl. He played fantastic in all of them. I'm the good luck charm for the big games. If if I could be there, he'll win the game. He'll play well too. Well, I don't know how he's going to get past that defense? Just that defense going to put some pressure on him. We'll talk about it next week, though. All right, we will. Think, we'll preview. We'll talk, it. We're going to preview it next week. We'll talk all about the different, uh, all the different prop bets. We're going to have some fun with all that. So, uh, thank you again for coming in. Um, Want to thank everybody at Studio Soapbox, Tyler Jones. Thank you for all you do behind the scenes. Uh, most importantly, thank you to you, the listener. Don't forget to rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Tip, we're still on Spotify. That might change. I'm here for it. 
we might talk about that. Although Spotify's stock fucking tanked today. Did you see that shit? Uh, so did Meta, aka Facebook. So bunch after the day. So, uh, but Spotify tanked fifteen percent a day. Good for. Them. I think uh, Meta's tanked twenty. Twenty. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I will admit that I bought some. I jumped in after hours. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna. I will buy it at a discount. Get in at the dip. I'm taking the discount, boy. I, I know what's gonna happen. Get in there. at the dip. Call my daddy once on a Cadillac. I don't, you don't catch me slipping. No, 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 no. I'm gonna get this. He's well, a financial yeah. advisor for a reason, folks. Yeah, buy the dip on Facebook. We didn't get a dip on Google and Amazon. Oh, well, we did get kind of well on Amazon, but Google did not give us a dip this last week. Correct. You know, strong. So. Anyway, uh, we appreciate every five-star review. We want to have a better, we'll stay on Spotify if our uh, reviews are better than Joe Rogan's. If our ratings are higher than Joe Rogan's. If our ratings, okay. you know, if we are five-star and he's 4.9, that's good enough for me. So give us a five-star rating on Spotify or we're going to pull our shit too. As long as I'm ahead of Joe Rogan, we're okay. And okay. I hear that and ask uh, Coach Bo podcast is yeah. in the offing so, okay, so, so you've got a... questions that you want to submit yes um so yes another ask coach bo anything is coming up but you know what i got requested for what's up and ask ellen anything yo so. i'm down all right and oh another thing i wanted to ask you i'm gonna ask you on the air i'm not gonna wait to do this afterwards i'm gonna ask you now okay i think a couple of people we can get some questions on this I think uh-huh. people want some advice from you. Okay. So are you cool. down for doing a little bit of advice on the point five? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Bring we'll, it on. I'll I be think thoughtful. Maybe we'll, we'll institute that coming up these next couple of weeks. We got a couple of weeks of some fun stuff. And uh, no, that would be even, really cool. I would enjoy that a whole yeah, lot. Yeah. So Ellen's advice. And uh, so yeah, we'll do that. It'll be fun. Uh, E-Dog's Corner. Yeah. Then we're gonna call it E-Dog's Corner. Yeah. I like it. All right. Say, hey, until next time, I'm Coach Bo Bright. Okay. That's our legal representative, our legal counsel here, Ellen Wigginson, Pumpkin Girl. And uh, have a great weekend, everybody. Remember your time tokens are mine. Take care.